0: You, Betty Jane, for the beautiful arrangement here this morning. Those came out of your yard, right? That's what we always say, right? Which is usually true. 99% of the time they come from from your yard or from from your uh, pickings. Well, baby Jesus has gone missing. That's what a newspaper in White Plains, New York reported this past week about baby Jesus, or the baby Jesus statue that was at a a church there in their city. I believe we have a picture of one of their uh, signs, or they put word out. Isn't that sad? Return our nativities, baby Jesus. And then, please. So they're being nice about it, or at least they were. But the church discovered it was missing on Christmas morning. I mean, of all times, to have baby Jesus go missing on Christmas morning. Who would do such a thing? Well, according to the report, the church's pastor, Reverend Thomas uh, uh, Calamati, said the statue of Jesus was set in a manger in the church's garden, located between the church and the adjoining rectory earlier in December. The statue remained in the manger, which was festooned with lights next to statues of Joseph and Mary throughout the month. By the way, if you're a journalist... And you can use the word festooned, you must do so. (laughs) When else are you going to use it? They're all uh, on an all-out search for Jesus, which you can see there. It's just a very sad scene without Jesus. But they're searching. And the last I heard, they're still looking. Well, the wise men Matthew describes in our gospel text this morning were also on an all-out search for Jesus. Jesus. Their search was not one of spontaneity or part of the latest religious fad. It was rather a result of years of study. These were were men who, and by the way, we tend to say three, but uh, we do that because of the three gifts. But typically, we tend to think maybe more than that would have shown up and been a part of this group, this group that had been studying the stars, this group that had been trying to figure out what was going on in the world. So as a result of these years of study and the reflection that they had and discussion that would have gone on about the the stars and the constellations and what all that meant, they were searching for something bigger than themselves. These men from the East were dedicated to the discovery of truth and wisdom. Now, we call them wise men, and we get that from from the Word and the uh, way we attribute wisdom to them because they were searching or maybe because of what they found. But we realize that not everyone at that time thought they were wise. In fact, astrology would later be banned uh, by Christians, because it was something that was to be of the occult and not pertaining to uh, the study of the words of Christ. But we see them as being very wise now. But in the darkness of one night in the time of King Herod, as Matthew describes there for us, the men noticed a star that was rising and shining brilliantly in the direction of Jerusalem. Have you ever seen a shooting star? I love going out in the country where you get away from the lights of the city and you can look up in the sky and see just thousands and thousands and millions of stars that are out shining brightly. And as you look at the sky, you see one that goes shooting across. And it's either a UFO uh, or it's a, a star that is streaming across the sky at night. And this is what they saw, something much like that. But it was a star that was shining brilliantly in the direction of Jerusalem. And so they knew this star was no ordinary star. The discovery of this star was an indispensable piece of the puzzle. As they had been trying to piece together all of these things about the universe. And the the things that they had seen. And the things they had heard others talk about. Something different was going on here. And so they had a a real longing to find out what this world and then what this star was all about. Maybe another word for longing is belief. To long for is to trust in, isn't it? It is to hold out hope in what is to come. And we've talked about that as we spent uh, four weeks in Advent, we talked about hope and this longing for a better day or for a better reality, a better existence in this world. Harry Emerson Fosdick, who is one of my favorite preachers of long ago, he spoke of the wise men's belief in a sermon that he preached on Christmas back in 1940. And the title of his sermon is The Decisive Babies of the World. And it's a brilliant sermon. As he goes through and talks about all of the, the great babies uh, of the world, and he traces history and talks about them, and he takes Jesus as the greatest of babies in the world and talks about Christ's significance. But he spoke of how the wise men believed in a baby, which he said was the essence of Christmas for him, In that year, and if you think about 1940, a lot of things were going on in the world as we were about to experience World War II. But he says, we are tempted to say, rather fools and sentimentalists uh, do that, to follow a star to a young child's manger and worship where a newborn life was at its small beginning." But what the wise men did is a parable of mankind's best wisdom in every realm. They did not believe in Augustus, in Herod, in Caesar's legions, in the imperial power that loomed so large and seemed so permanent. They did not believe in the noisy, the obvious, the ostentatious. No, they believed in a newborn thing this little baby that had come into the world. Do we still have a longing for truth today? Are there still some seekers in our world, uh, the the kind that are dedicated in much the way that the the wise men were? I mean, what are we doing these days? What are we longing for in our world? We just finished a season of longing, didn't we? Uh, bombarded with all kinds of things that make us long for them. But I think a visitor from another planet might conclude that we long for material objects, right? The shinier, the better, or maybe the newer, the better. We long for food. Think about all the food commercials or the food channels that there are. Uh, They have been described as being food porn, right? Right? Just this, uh, the way they make the food look, You, you're, especially late at night as you're watching TV and you see uh, Burger King's latest hamburger, right? I'm making all of you hungry. If I talked about donuts, um, I would still make you hungry, right? Uh, there are a lot of things that make us long for food. And the faster, the better, right? We want food to be fast and immediate for comfort, For relationships, we long for the right kind of relationship, don't we? That we might be in sync with another person and to have that be a healthy thing. And advertisers bombard us with all kinds of things. Little blue pills to help the men of earth. Aren't these the things that advertisers know that we are longing for? Or don't they tell us what we ought to be longing for? Maybe they are. Maybe that's as deep as we get when it comes to longing. But when you get the things that you think you want, don't you still have a longing? Surely the toys, already forgotten, broken, or used up, are indicators that we still haven't found what we are looking for. So as you begin this brand new year, and we should be thankful we get to begin a brand new year, right? Right? Are you thankful? As we begin this brand new year, we ought to think more about our longing. We ought to think more about what it is that God is doing around us and what God is doing in our world. And to long for something that matches our real desire. But we should note that these men from the East had more than just longing. Longing is just an unfulfilled desire unless it is accompanied by effort. These men made an all-out effort to follow up on the significance of the star that they were seeing that night. And think about it. They left the comfort of their homes, their family, and their reputations to set out on a journey. I mean, just for you to be able to say, I'm going to go follow a star, you would get laughs from the people in your neighborhood, right? From, from your friends and from your family. They'd say, there he goes again. He's talking about those stars and thinks that there's some kind of meaning to all of the the chaos that we see up there. And so you would be putting your reputation on the line to follow that star. But they also put forth the effort to believe in what they were looking for as well as what they would find. And this belief is what led them to travel the distance, to deal with the inquiry of Herod to persevere until they reached the location of the star's focus right there in Bethlehem. Then there was the effort involved in transporting the treasure, uh, these chests that we see in, in different images and, and different pictures uh, of them carrying these wonderful things to Christ and for them uh, giving adoration to Jesus. And these efforts revealed to us that these men from the east Carried with them the kind of longing required of all true seekers, of those who actually make a great discovery. I went to see Star Wars this past week, and based on my inquiry of how many of you went, I think on Christmas Eve, I was about the only one that had not seen it. And so Jack and I, I don't know why Jenny had no interest. Uh, But Jack and I ventured out to go see it, and a great movie. I could go see it again. But I think it is popular not just because of the the first Star Wars and our love for R2-D2. It was great to see R2-D2 make a comeback. Or C-3PO or Chewbacca. Chewbacca looked better and hairier than ever. Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia and all of the others. Maybe you like some of those from the dark side. But I think what we like most about Star Wars is that it takes us to a new place, doesn't it? It stirs our imagination. It widens our horizons and creates an alternate existence much more interesting than the one that we are in right now. Or perhaps it just stirs within us our innate desire to explore. As Leonard uh, Nimoy said, that is the exploration that awaits you, not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Some of you were doing that, weren't you? Wouldn't it be great to, at the end of the next brand new year that we have, to see how much effort that we have put into an intense exploration into the deep longing that we all have for truth in our universe. I mean, wouldn't it be great for us to have no regrets at the end of next year and just to be able to reflect on all of the things that we learned as we sought out what God had for us? for the possibilities of our existence in this world. By the way, this is that time of year when there are more suicides than any other time of the year because people are thinking, if this next year looks like this past year, I really don't want any more of it. And they lose their sense of purpose or have lost their sense of purpose and existence in our world. But wouldn't it be great... If we could find and experience our real purpose for existing, wouldn't it be good to start this new year with a commitment to make such an effort? What does that look like in your life? What does it look like to have a longing and a desire to grow in your understanding of God? What is the next step in your journey to encountering what God has revealed in Jesus Christ? It may be a commitment to spending more time in silent prayer. And by the way, we do about a minute in here every service as Robert comes and and leads us in that time. What if you did two minutes? Or what if you did a minute every day where you just sat, you turned off your phone, you turned off your TV, you turned off your computer, you turned off all the noises around you, and you just got silent? What would that look like? if you carved some islands of your time out just to spend alone in silence? What would it look like if you were to take time to read your Bible? Not just to think that you know what it says, but to open it up and allow God to speak to you in a new and fresh kind of way. What about a commitment to join a care group? We have uh, our care groups starting back this next Wednesday night and and would love to start a new one if you would like to come and be a part or to sign up for a missional ministry team to say I'm going to serve on one of the teams this next year and I want to go out and make a difference and touch the life of someone that I might be able to be used by God in this world or maybe it is to become a teacher realizing that the best way to learn and to grow is by teaching isn't that right those of us, those of you who are teachers, you learn best by the study that you do to prepare. One great next step for us as a church is the upcoming Dawnings Retreat that we will have at the end of the month. And there's some information for you there in the bulletin about it. But it is a great way for us to allow the epiphany light of Jesus to dawn on us as we begin a brand new year. And you'll hear more about it in in the days to come. But all of these steps require our effort and commitment, don't they? I'm afraid, however, that we've become lazy seekers of the truth, deeming our questions to be worth a Google, right? Do you ever have conversations with people, and they're talking about you know the statistics from 1968 or whatever, and, and you're debating about it, and you look on your, your phone and Google it, and everybody fact-checks one another. I mean, you can't lie anymore about anything because people are going to check it. And that's what we do with information. Well, I don't know the answer, so I'm just going to Google it and look on Wikipedia or whatever else. And there is no longing for a deep search of trying to understand what God wants us to understand. We are lazy seekers willing to submit to doing the least rather than doing the real work and effort involved in seeking the truth. Jesus becomes for us a propositional truth. Jesus is an object that can be stolen from a church's manger on a Christmas morning or a specimen that we can know something about rather than knowing the real presence of the one who came to us as God in human flesh. The longing and the efforts of these seekers resulted in what Matthew described as their being overwhelmed with joy. The message translation of this is they could hardly contain themselves. I like that. They could hardly, hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time, is the translation. So they realized that they had made the discovery of their lives, that all of their longing and their efforts actually meant something. All that time that they spent charting out the skies and talking to one another, it actually meant something and was relevant. Their lives now made sense all because of what they found under that star of Bethlehem. We really don't know anything else about them. There have been some great novels and some great things uh, written about them, and even their names, uh, as we can see in in movies and, and different things. But we really don't know much about them, especially after they departed. But we can believe that the joy that overwhelmed them was sustained and deepened for years to come. I mean, they didn't just ride off on their camels in the night and just forget about what they saw and what they experienced there as they gave their adoration to Christ. No, it continued with them. This joy they discovered is one that we can discover and experience as well. And we are able to discover what it is like to be overwhelmed by joy at the discovery of God's revelation. us in Jesus. I mean, that's what this light is all about. The epiphany that we can experience. There's a great quote there in the uh, bulletin from J.K. uh, Rowling as, as it's described as being this yes kind of moment, this aha moment that we can have when when things begin to make sense, when God's light shines upon us. By the way, it's always shining Upon us, but we're not always opening our eyes to see it. We're not always willing to experience the warmth and the illumination that it provides. But think about what it would mean if we could and if we did discover that. It is a joy that we desire most, one that satisfies our primal longing for a connection with the wisdom of the universe, our Creator. It is finding that the greatest pleasure in life is nothing that we can buy, nothing that we can create. Would you agree with that this morning? We do allow ourselves to be duped, though, into thinking that we can buy it, or that we could earn it, that we could create it. But what we know already is that things don't give us joy. Actually, things actually create more complexity and stress and difficulty in our world, don't they? The more you have, the more you have to manage. That's why we have an offering plate. (laughs) We've already passed it. No, what fills our soul and gives us true jubilation within us is the illumination of God's presence in our world and in Jesus and in the experience of eternal love that we receive In him. This is what Jesus said to his followers, right? I have come that they might have life. He's looking out at his followers and anyone else willing to listen. I have come that you might have life, real life, abundant life. Maybe the best way to translate that is life to the full. Life to the full. That's what those wise men saw in the manger long ago. And that's the epiphany that you and I can have today. Let us pray.